Good morning, dudes. <laughs> Dear dudes, so we will continue this morning with this practice of deepening our ability to abide in real time. And really still continuing with the practice that we've been doing, if this is what you're doing, if you've just joined or more recently joined, it probably feels a long time already, or if it's been helpful for you to reboot the instructions. This uh, practice for the time being of preferencing uh, having an anchor, one experience with which to settle the attention uh, to which to return when there's nothing else particular happening can be really helpful sometimes we're kind of in a hurry to abandon that and get on to something different but it's very helpful to develop as much stability as possible will open up, you know, further uh, possibilities uh, going forward. But for today, continuing. So settling into your abiding. Feeling the body resting on the earth. Abiding has this sense of the ability to rest back. Offering the weight of your body back to the earth. Receiving its support. Letting yourself be held. Inviting the possibility of ease, of relaxation. And at the same time, offering yourself, whatever position the body might be in, offering yourself upwards to the sky, to space. Sense of opening, opening perhaps to what's not yet known, what might emerge. Being available.
and tuning into your anchor to the body sitting or lying bodying Becoming receptive to the sensations of sitting, the posture that you're in. Whatever anchor you're choosing, this isn't a bad place to begin, just to spend a moment or two really connecting with the sense of the whole body sitting. And the breath breathing, the body being breathed, the breath breathing itself. And sounds sounding, resting into this soundscape, internal and external. And when you're ready, gently coming to rest with your chosen anchor, with a light touch. If you were just lightly resting your fingertips on a handrail, the handrail, you don't have to grip it unless you're really about to fall over. Just for balance.
and allowing the field of awareness to be open to to body sensations in fact allowing the field of awareness to be open not trying to exclude anything from experience but one might take a particular interest these days in the domain of body sensations. So if you find that the body sensation different from your anchor has come to the foreground of experience, to just notice that. Linger there a little while with the attention. can notice and linger and allow to fade. Hands touching. Knee tingling. Warmth, pressure. (coughs) And whenever that fades, allowing the anchor to come to the foreground again. Maybe if it's helpful using light notes to stay connected to experience. Putting a frame around what's happening or maybe a a paragraph header so we don't have to catch every experience, note every experience. Like a spacious pulsing with the attention. Touching. Thinking. Hearing. And keep the noting diet, a simple foods diet. So it's okay to have variety in the simple foods if something particular comes to mind, but keeping it very simple. 
just enough to help you be in touch, not necessary to figure it all out, get it right. There's no right. A very helpful note is the note, not sure. We don't have to know everything. We'll be able to uh, verbalise everything. And if what becomes predominant in experience is a mood or an emotion, a feeling, in a broader sense of feeling, and seeing if we can contact the felt sense of it in the body, the body sensations dimension of that. So that we... divest our energy, our attention from the storyline as far as we can and really contact the real-time experience, the felt sense experience of the emotional state or the mood that's here. What does this feel like in the body? giving it lots of space. No need to fix or figure it out. And if it becomes too intense or any body sensation becomes too intense, you can zoom back with your observation, pull back and just broadening the attention, just see what else is being known. Don't have to get rid of anything, but what else is here? What else is here particularly that's okay, that's a place I can abide? So stay simple as we continue together.
Thank you for your practice. There are a couple of questions from the question basket that I'll offer some response to this morning. Then a few practical ones at the end. um, So the first question. I feel so much gratitude being here. I see so much beauty all around from nature to the pleasant states of meditation. I don't find it hard to be here at the moment. They didn't write at the moment, but that's what (laughs) this little mind would tell itself. Does it mean I'm not really practicing? I hope not. Thoughts. (laughs) So this is is a thought that uh, is familiar to me too from some of my experiences here. And... First thing I think to notice is that actually there's mindfulness and investigation happening already here. Just the fact that this is being observed and the question is being asked. So um, you are practicing. There's some uh, ways that you could practice further maybe with this or to investigate. I mean, I love that the question is arising, what's actually happening here? What am I doing? And... uh, First to say that uh, we are allowed to be happy. (laughs) And actually, you know, it's taken me, it's, I think this is something that's still sinking in, you know. A a lot of us are so conditioned to think, to feel there's always something that I should be working at to improve myself or to improve the world. So to really recognize that it's okay to be happy. This is, this is allowed. And to allow the nourishment of relaxation and happiness, gratitude. And that can be very healing and rebalancing because we tend, of course, to notice what's difficult and to gravitate towards what's difficult. And if we're having a horrible time, we may be having a horrible time, but at least we feel we're practicing. <laughs> Whereas if things are good... You know, we think, oh, have I clocked off or something? And it's also a very skillful way to begin any period of practice by bringing appreciation and gratitude to mind so that the heart becomes happy and relaxed. But I've also noticed here, especially I remember the first time, my first experience of being at IMS in the fall, particularly slightly earlier in the fall when the leaves are at their peak beauty and having this kind of question arise in my mind. And it's like it's so beautiful it almost hurts. I don't know if anyone's felt that. And I remembered a a haiku that I read in an anthology, I think it might be Ryokan or somebody, it says, when, I, when in Kyoto, I long for Kyoto. And I had that kind of experience about IMS. It's like so beautiful, it somehow hurts. And there's this sense of, even though it seems it could hardly be more perfect, there's a sense of longing there. It's like something in the mind has gone grippy around this experience of happiness or pleasure. So we can just notice that. And maybe... Again, invite relaxation. So the thing is with all this is to stay mindful. And not to note joy away, as somebody asked about some days back, but 
to actually just be aware, okay, so happiness is arising, this is joy, this is appreciation. And then if you notice that there's attachment there too, don't make yourself bad over it. It's just, okay, this is what's happening. You don't have to create, and now I'm a bad practitioner because I've noticed some attachment. No, great, we've noticed some attachment. It's the same actually, you know, if, if, if happiness is arising, it's not your problem. If dukkha's arising, it's also not your problem. And we can just notice the dissatisfaction then when things change, and that's a clue. Maybe there was some attachment there. So, or you notice that somebody's on your walking path or your favourite spot in the sun on the bench, you know. And then that's a, a little reminder, well, okay, what kinds of happiness am I, am I investing in? One thing that uh, Carol helped me with in part one is the sense of actually when there's a lot of happy energy arising, you know, my tendency, I think a, a lot of us have the tendency, we kind of can get carried away on it. It's like the mindfulness lapses and actually restlessness starts to increase and feeling so good today. Maybe, I, you know, I'm, I'm established in my practice. My practice is flowing. Let me spend the whole day out in the woods, whatever. And you notice that as one does that, the restlessness maybe, maybe uh, starts to increase and mindfulness lapses. Or I go, I go overboard on exercise. It's like I feel so invigorated and then I over-exercise, and then there's a crash. The body's tired. The Buddha said when the body is tired, the mind is far from concentration. And just see for yourself with these cycles when you overdo it. So what Carol said is that actually when there's this happy energy or the energy of well-being or energy arising in the practice, reinvest it into the practice. It's like, oh, I feel great this morning. Okay, that's a brilliant time to sit and just notice so that we're turning all this energy, reinvesting it, not in proliferating with the happiness, but actually reinvesting it into our practice. And then you can also notice when the mind gets into a habit of shopping around for the next thing to enjoy. I've even noticed that with the walking meditation when I'm in a, some period where things are quite stable and the body feels very comfortable and it's like there can be so much pleasure in just one step soaking this soaking the sponge like what are you soaking and it's like oh let me take the next step <laughs> and there's this little leaning forward into the gratification of the next moment you know um, can we just rest back into, oh, no, it's already here. Yeah. Just this, it's okay. And there's actually more peace in that we come to, we come to discover. Yeah. And then we can just note pl- pleasure. We can note yeah, enjoyment. And we can notice, we can note again, we don't have, we can either notice or note, if you're doing noting, when the mind, mind goes planning or searching, planning its next enjoyable thing. 
because the mind is a is a grazer it likes to go out and graze on stuff you know grazes the notices on the notice board it grazes the grounds and the trouble is it's not just a grazer but it's a ruminant (laughs) so you know how ruminants like cows they're constantly chewing the cud and not only do they chew it once but they have multiple bellies so they have to rehash it they re-chew it and they re-chew it and this is what our minds do you know we get lost in proliferation and it cycles around again Christina Feldman says something I really like is that you have practice you have to sign a non-proliferation treaty with yourself (laughs) so notice when it triggers proliferation and again this is not to make any of this bad or wrong it's just these are things that one can observe so there was another question from this grazing and ruminant mind it seems my VR was a six-weeker. My Vipassana romance for this. In this time of mourning, I realise a spot has opened up. Auditions are beginning. <laughs> uh, any tips on how to cut through the proliferations before I latch on to a new VR? Yeah. So again, I really, you know, I really want to notice, just observe the level of uh, awareness that's there, the self-observation and the awareness. It's like, you know, there is mindfulness present and there's curiosity and asking the right questions. But you can see that and the, the mind has a tendency to go and want to, uh, almost it's like, I think it's like wanting to have something to orient itself to. It wants nice experience, but it also wants kind of things it can orient itself to. And so when that's arising, I would really just notice, oh, looking, searching, wanting, longing. And again, see if you can just come back into real time, as Winnie says, rest into the present moment. This is what's happening now. And how much peace and satisfaction did your VR in part one really give you? (laughs) You know, this mind is not immune to that kind of behavior either. And I have to say that uh, none of them have really brought me any lasting satisfaction and peace. (laughs) And so this is again a time where, okay, we can reinvest. You know, in some ways, this is just life energy coming up we can reinvest our life energy into the practice Um, and so to to not uh, to catch proliferation as it's beginning and choose to put the attention somewhere else and sometimes we have to be quite firm with ourselves really you know say okay now I'm going to really feel my feet depending on how strong the pull is and certainly don't act on it at all you know, it's a, it's a, it really wobbles things for one another if we start following each other around or writing notes or, um, you know, because it's also, it's, it can be quite alarming to be the uh, object of somebody's VR if they're not practicing restraint. That happens often as well. And uh, so really respect all, all the, the guidelines about containing whatever's happening 
And I would say that this also happens for our vendettas too, you know, that the mind, again, in trying to orient ourselves, we latch onto something that we don't like and we can create a big story around that too. So similarly, just notice, okay, this is what's arising now and stay here. And as best we can, not put it out there. So I hope that's of some use. And then there are practical questions. So somebody asking, is it okay to take notes during Dharma talks? And yes, it's fine to take notes during Dharma talks. I think we said it already, but it's hard to catch everything that's said. Um, Just to be aware, though, that all the talks are recorded and will be available to you after the retreat on Dharma Seed. So uh, you don't need to take notes unless it's helpful to you right now. And in any case, there's no obligation to remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, about the the coming and going from this meditation space, just a reminder that it's really uh, supportive of everyone's stillness and quiet if you come and go from here on time. And unless it's a really, you know, a bodily emergency or not, you know, but there's a strong... Uh, bodily need to leave the hall in the middle of a sit, please stay for the whole sitting. And this is an act of renunciation and compassion. And similarly, another way that we can uh, practice some renunciation and compassion towards one another is to not take uh, blankets or cushions or things from one another's mats um, if there's not anything left and you really need something in the back of the room, then write a note for the managers and they'll see if they can help you. Or you might find that you're able to improvise in some way. But um, as if we leave you know, stuff on somebody else's zabiton, then assume that it's needed and it's left there for them to use. That would be really helpful. I think that's everything. Have a lovely day. And uh, it's a perfect day again for practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.